best intentions. The daughter, she just wasn't able to see from the mom's perspective. You know, the mom, she just wants the best for her kid. She wants her to come to church and have friendships and know Jesus. It's hard sometimes for us to get on board with some of these other perspectives that people have. Now, when it comes to emotions, it's called empathy, being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes, see it from another perspective. You know, some people struggle with empathy. I struggle with empathy. I'm not that empathetic. If someone is crying, it's hard for me to understand, why are you, what's there to cry about? Like, oh, there's so much pain in the world. Be like, man, there's pain, like, right now. Like, I'm in pain sitting here. My back hurts because my kids weighs 30 pounds, wants to be carried everywhere. So I'm not empathetic to a lot of people, which is something I struggle with and something I need to get better at. But if you're really good at empathy, you're probably really good at perspectives. Now, I want us all to get really good at perspectives, and how we're going to do it is we're going to learn a little bit about, uh, about God from the Bible. It's going to be great. This is what I want you to see. It's going to be up on the screen. God always has more to teach us in the stories we think we know. Now, we're going to look at a story today that we think we know, and chances are, when you hear it, you're going to be like, I know this story, okay? We're going to talk about the story of Jonah. Now, a lot of people in this room are going to say, I know that story. This story is not new to me. Like, I, I know everything about this story. You know, here's a little overview of the story. It might be a reminder to some of you. You know, this is the breakdown. Jonah runs from the Lord. Like, I don't want to do what God's asked me to do. Jonah prays. Uh, I'm sorry, God, I shouldn't have done that. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Oh, I'll do it begrudgingly. You guys know what it's like to be begrudging to something? Uh, Jonah's angry at the Lord's mercy. He's like, whatever. Like, I did it, but what? ever God. We know that story. But sometimes because we feel we know the story, we miss such big parts of the story. See, perspective is something that we've all made mistakes about. You've thought one thing when it was actually another. You, you know, got and reacted extremely when that wasn't really what the situation needed. You know, sometimes we forget how to react or we have a bad perception. When you were younger, you could probably look back and say, well, I feel like I made the same mistakes over and over again. Like even, like I perceived things to be a certain way over and over again. And I was always wrong. And I don't know why that is. I'll tell you why that is. It's science, right? Your brains are like all wonky. It's a thing called cerebral pruning. I learned about this. this is very interesting. So from the time you're born through your early adolescence, which is through junior high, you start losing these neurotic, you know, things in your brain, these synapses that fire. Because as your brain grows, there's things that the brain just doesn't need anymore. And for a young person, that leads them to kind of forget about things or not connect the relationship to the actions of what they do. So sometimes they're like, oh, I did that. I, you keep doing it. Your parents are like, you just keep doing that over and over again. Well, that's kind of not your fault. That's just science. So I get that you might think, well, I feel like I've learned this, or I know this, or like, I feel like I'm getting better at it, but here's the thing, when you think you know a story, typically you kind of write it off and say, well, I don't have anything to learn from this. You know, this is what it says on the screen. When you hear, it's going to be right up here, Chris is one of my kids, when you hear Jonah, you think Jonah, but when I hear Jonah, I think God. And when I hear Jonah, I hear God's story that's permeating from this. You know, when I hear Jonah and people are like, well, I know Jonah, he, got, he ran, he got swallowed by a fish. That's not the story. The story is what God did, which is so good. Now, here's what it says. You might think Jonah, well, he's a prophet. You know, what does a prophet do? Here's a verse right out of 2 Kings. This is something that he did. I'm not going to read the whole verse. But this was Jonah in action, going to a king, telling him what was going to happen, telling him how the land was going to work out. These are the jobs of a prophet. So if you think a 
prophet in Bible times, it's someone that had a connection with God, talked to God uniquely, went and told people what he had learned from God. So sometimes it's kind of giving caution. Sometimes it's dispensing information like this, you know, telling, you know, what God's will is. So Jonah was in the prophet business, a totally legitimate prophet. Now, something happened that Jonah was not a big fan of and that he didn't want to do. Uh, He was a guy that when God asked him, I want you to go, he was unwilling to go. He made a really big mistake. And he had his own reasons for making his mistake. Now, here's the thing. There's some people in the Old Testament who have made massive mistakes. Here are a list of some of these people uh, who have made massive mistakes in the Old Testament. Noah was a guy, you might know the story of Noah, right? Built a boat, saved a bunch of people. How beautiful is that? The boat's floating away. He made sure there were cows on there so I could eat steak when I got older. Like, Like Noah took care of us. Noah also had a drinking problem. He, he got so drunk one time, his kids walked in on him, and he was naked, drunk, and they had to cover him up with a sheet. You know, my father had a drinking problem, a very serious drinking problem, and it was really, really tough times that I'd walk in on him, and he was just laying on the floor, passed out. Noah had a drinking problem, and God used Noah. Abraham was super old, and you might think, well, there, there's no problem being old. You know, you talk to someone who's old, they feel most of the time that they've missed their opportunity. You talk to enough people who are older, and even people in high school who feel like, well, if I didn't do it in junior high, or if I haven't been a leader in junior high, or if I haven't been a leader when I was a kid, like how, is there a chance for me to be able to do it now? Listen, he was mega old, and God used him. You know, it wasn't wrong to be old, but it was wrong to think, well, because I'm old, I can't be used. Moses, he had a, a speech impediment, a stuttering problem. Does anyone stutter in here? Like a big stutter? You stutter? Okay. He was a huge stutterer. He stuttered all in. No one else raised their hand, but don't worry about that. He was a huge stutterer. So when God came to him and was like, hey, I want you to do this stuff, he came up with every excuse he could find why he wasn't the guy to do it. And he had this huge stuttering problem. He doesn't felt he couldn't speak to people the right way, that people wouldn't understand him or respect him, and God used him. David was a murderer and an adulterer. He saw some woman that he wanted. He had tons of wives and concubines, which concubines, they did away with that, but it was awesome back in the day from what I hear. It's in the Bible. Okay, hey, listen, if God was okay with it, then there must have been something to it. It was in the Bible. Uh, he saw a woman bathing on a roof that wasn't, and every guy is like now like, wait, people do that? They bathe on roofs? They do not do that anymore, okay? Maybe in New York, but not here in California. So saw this woman bathing on a roof and was like, I want that woman. Got the woman, found out she was married. He didn't really worry about it at the time. Had a whole plan. The plan didn't work. Ended up killing this guy. That was David. He was a king of Israel. He was the guy, you know, when people use that verse of how not to judge a book by its cover, like in, Second Sa- or in 1 Samuel, this is the verse they use. You know, when Samuel was coming and he was talking to Jesse the dad and all his sons were up there and the one son was strong and the one son was a good hunter and the one son was this and that and blah, blah, blah. And he went through all the sons and none of them worked and, and Samuel said, is there anyone else? And Jesse said, well, I got this one son. He's kind of scrawny. He's like, oh, bring him out. And he brought him out and it was David. And, and what did Samuel say? He said, you know, people look at the outside but God looks at the heart. And then he went on to murder a guy and steal his wife. God used him. You know, Justin, you know, when I was in high school, I stopped going to church. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, I stopped going to church because my youth pastor, I had a youth pastor, a high school youth pastor, and he made a really big mistake. He ended up getting fired. It was a really big deal. And that broke my faith. I had more of my faith in my youth pastor than in me, and I'll tell you what he did, because I, I, this, isn't, this isn't junior high, this is high school. So these are stories you've never heard before. So when I was in high school, uh, I was a sophomore, so where are my sophomores? All right, good. Found out, it became public, my youth pastor was having a sexual relationship with some of the girls in the youth group who were seniors. They were 18, so it wasn't illegal, but it, it broke the church, it broke the youth ministry. 
And he got fired, and it was really public and really messy, wasn't handled the right way at all. And I stopped going to church because of it. Because I said, and I remember the moment Satan whispered in my ear, if a guy who's a pastor can't do it, there's no way that you can do it. And I hung on to that thought for three years. I stopped going to church, stopped reading my Bible, stopped caring. I, I decided to prove that God wasn't real by my actions. So I'd drink and I'd party and I'd find acceptance wherever I could, you know, with girls that I knew, some that I didn't know. Like I was a liar. I was a cheater. I cheated on my girlfriend all the time. One time my girlfriend showed at my house after like it was, became public. They didn't have social media back then that I cheated on my girlfriend. And she knocked on my door. She was a bold, bold girl. Knocked on my door. My, I wasn't home. My mom was home. And she proceeded to tell my mom about me cheating on her and being a scumbag. And when I got home, my mom was pissed. She laid into me because she didn't raise me to be like that. But I didn't care about those things. I didn't have a lot of respect for my mom. You know, I didn't care. And God still used me. You know, here's the thing. When you can shift your perspective and look at things differently, we start to value things in a different way. You know, this is what I put up on the screen. I want you to see this, okay? We tend to oversell what we can do and undersell what God can do. We typically look at all of our mistakes and say, well, look at all the mistakes we made. There's no way we can do anything now. Look at all the mistakes. That's our perspective. God's perspective is different. See, we undersell what the creator of the universe can do, but we oversell the mistakes a high school kid can make. You know, we oversell the, the screw-ups and the, the problems we cause and don't know how to get ourselves out of. But we undersell the power of, of someone who walked on water and healed people and gave acceptance to those who are yearning for it. We do this all the time. And what's really tough is the book of Jonah gives this big, wide depiction of it. I mean, it's taking a very, what could be a very insignificant story, and it blew it up, made it this huge story. It's a significant book of the Old Testament to me. I love it. And this is what it says in Jonah chapter 4, starting with verse 1. This change of plans, we're, we're kind of skipping ahead to the fourth chapter. You should read the first three. Skipping ahead, uh, this, uh, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. These are Just so you guys know, this is Jonah complaining about some of the best characteristics of our creator God. This is Jonah complaining about the character of God. Uh, you are eager to turn your back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive in what I have predicted will happen. What he predicted would happen is that people would be um, forgiven. You know, here's the thing. Uh, Jonah wrote this book, and like a lot of Old Testament writers or New Testament writers too, they're open to sharing their faults. You know, Moses did it. Uh, you know, Matthew shared his faults, him being a tax collector. Paul, you know, in writing the book of Acts, you know, shared about like the mistakes that he had made during his early time as Saul killing Christians. Like the thing about the Bible that's so good is these people who are writing it, they're not writing it from some other account or some third person. They're writing it from their own life story. The best stories we have are our own stories. And Jonah is telling us the story from what he experienced. Now, here's the thing. This is what it says uh, in uh, verse 4. Here we go. Check this out. <sighs> the Lord replied, It is right for you. 
Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went down to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow over there, and soon it spread broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. I think there's a picture of this. This is what it kind of probably looked like if he was there. Him sitting there, very angry-looking face, uh, and sitting there having the plant kind of you know, glean over him. Now, here's the thing I love about God. When God teaches, and this will be on the screen, I want you to write it down or take this. When God teaches, great teachers teach with love and give an opportunity to see from a new perspective. Terrible teachers teach from the same old perspective and what you should know. Really good teachers teach in love and accept what you do not know and help you see something different. You know, here's the thing that I love so much about what happens next. But God, this is what it says in the next verse, arranged for a worm... The next morning at dawn, uh, the worm ate through the stem of the plant and it withered away. As the sun grew hot, God arranged a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. This is Jonah talking. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Death is better than living like this. There's a photo of what that probably looks like. Very angry, very angry. Look at my plant, very angry. You know, here's what I believe about emotional people. When it comes to emotional people, uh, they're extreme and they only see something from their perspective. You know, you may be an emotional person. I am, I don't know if I would define myself as an emotional person as much as like a, like a, like a bull in a china shop kind of person. I don't think of myself as too emotional, but I know when I get upset, I am emotional. So I'm in touch with the anger, the, the anger emotion. You know, Jonah is coming from the anger emotion. You know, emotional people, when they get emotional, they're not able to see it from different perspectives. Angry people can't empathize. Angry people can't see it from someone else's point of view. Angry people can't put themselves in someone else's shoes. When you let emotion get the best of you, you rob yourself of seeing it from other perspectives. Now, here's the thing. This is what it says to wrap up Jonah chapter 4. I want you all to see this starting with verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because of the plant died? Yes, Jonah replied retorted, which is a beautiful Bible word, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly, but Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Listen, I know what it feels like to live in spiritual darkness. I don't know if anyone in this room knows what it feels like to live in spiritual darkness, but that's a real thing. And this is what he says about the people living in spiritual darkness. God is not saying, well, this people living in spiritual darkness, we, should just, we just got to take them out. We got we to gotta make sure that they're living in the light. You know, we got to change everything right now. That's not what God says. Not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? You know, the fact that God would refer to a city living in spiritual darkness as a great city gives you a little information about the character of God that he does not look down on those who don't believe. He doesn't look down on those who have questions. God does not look down in judgment like an angry cop waiting to get you for those who are confused or have doubts or feel different. God looks at it like great people in a great city. God loves and shows compassion. He's not quick to anger. He listens. He cares. That is who God is. But once again, it's tough for us to see it from you know, not, you know, our feelings. You know, it's tough to see it not from our perspective. You know, in life, just like this, we're so consumed with us. 
that we forget about seeing it from a different way. See, what we point to, right or wrong, is all a matter of perspective. Whatever we point to, right or wrong, maybe you have the right perspective, maybe the wrong one, but it's all a matter of how you see it. You know, what we point to, what we say is valuable and matters, that's a big deal. So here's the thing. If you have a hard time understanding perspective, I get it. I have a hard time seeing perspective sometimes. You know, sometimes it looks like one way, and, and I'm committed, it just looks one way. But sometimes things can look different ways. So I want to give you an example. It's a very, very easy example, okay? Uh, we're going to throw a picture up here on the screen. Uh, they're going to throw it up here. Uh, man, that looks like a really, like, angry, like, what does that look like? Like an angry Irishman, right? All right, well, let's see what it looks like upside down. Oh, man, that looks like a really happy lady or a guy wearing, like, a, his, his hair is, like, wrapped in some kind, of, some kind of scarf. Yeah, do you guys see that now? Like a happy-looking lady wearing a scarf on, their, on his hair. I mean, it looks different, like, upside down, right? I mean, you, you flip it over, it looks completely different. You know, perspective matters. Here's another one. Let's see. Whoa. That's weird. How do they take that? That's a cool-looking photo. They're on a roof somewhere, somehow. That's mind-blowing, right? Well, let's look it upside down. Let's see. No, it looks like they're just laying down, like, on something, right? Yeah, they're just laying down, and the, the water shows a reflection. That totally makes sense. You know, when you look at it upside down, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Now it makes total sense. You know, change in perspective matters. Let's look at one last one. Let's see. What do we have here? What is this? People jumping into a pool, holding on to each other. That looks weird. I can't wait for the Olympics. I hope I see stuff like that in the Olympics. All right, well, no, it looks like they're underwater. You know, see, here's the thing about perspective. You can look at it one way. When you look at it a different way, it looks totally different. Maybe it doesn't just look different. Maybe it makes sense more. You know, we can make sense of things when we look at things differently. When we're so dedicated to one point of view one way of looking at it, we miss what God's trying to say. Now, here's the thing. Uh, there's uh, this verse. Uh, it's going to be up here on the screen. I want you to take a look at it. It's from Matthew chapter 12. This is Jesus talking. For Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights. So will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. You know, here's the thing. Jesus is using Jonah as the example. You know, because it's a story that everyone remembers, like it's a memorable Old Testament story. But more importantly, it points to something really big. See, Jesus points to what matters. Jesus points to what matters. Through Jonah's whole story, he wasn't pointing to what mattered. Jonah was pointing to himself. Well, gee, God, this is what I think, and, and you should do this with these people, and it's better if I die because of this plant, and, and it's me, 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 and I, 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 and he makes it about himself. Jesus points to what matters. You know, just like Jonah spent three days, I'm going to spend three days. You know, and when that time happens, if you read the rest of Matthew 12, it's about his resurrection, that, that he's going to go, and then he's coming back, and he's pointing it all to God, his Father. You know, here's what it says uh, in Proverbs 4. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. It's a good motivational verse. You know what that verse says to me? It says that even though we have a view of one perspective, and even though sometimes that perspective says more of that we can't instead of we can, that God wants us to move and go now. He doesn't want us to wait. He doesn't want us to keep creating these excuses. See, what I love about the story of Jonah is it's not a story of Jonah. It's a story of God. 
It's a story of him showing up in the life of someone that made nothing but mistakes because Jesus works through our excuses. See, you'll think of a million excuses why you're not the right person to do anything, why you've made a ton of mistakes and you can't fix it. Maybe you're in the middle of mistakes right now. But let me tell you this. When Jesus looked for people to use, he looked for people who made mistakes, people who messed up. See, this is what uh, I want you to see. It's on the screen. We, and that's all of us, are significant for the big God story now. We are significant in the big God story. The story that God is writing, we are a part of that story. And not just a part, each one of us play a significant part. Not small, not inconsequential, we play a significant part. And we don't do it when we're older or when we get stuff worked out, we do it now. You know, here's the thing, what new perspectives do you need today? That's my question for you. What new perspectives do you need today? What view do you have either of yourself or of God that you have to put some time into changing? See, because the thing is that you're going into a summer where you're going to be able to define a lot of maybe either how you see yourself or how other people see you. Now, you may need new perspectives on, you know, where you belong or how you're accepted, you know, your friend groups, who you're with. You, you might look at the summer season as a party season, and in that party season, you're going to find an acceptance, an acceptance that I sought after in high school, and I found something that left me very lonely. You may find that. You may find this summer to be a summer, well, for Jonah, I mean, the book of Jonah was pretty short, and it was a summer of Jonah for him. It was all about him. Maybe you're thinking this is going to be a summer of me, you know, summer of me doing what I want. I finally got my license. I finally got a car. I'm going to do what I want. It's a summer of me. I would love this to be a summer of perspectives, a summer of looking at things differently, a summer together. You know, that's what you guys are doing in high school ministry. I love it. Summer together. What does it mean to do stuff differently? See, this is what I know. I know that we love you guys in junior high, and I've seen so many of you go through junior high. I know that I love seeing you guys in high school. If I had a kid who was in eighth grade going into high school, I would be so excited because I think we have one of the best high school ministries ever. Now, what's your perspective on that? Do you find belonging in high school ministry? Well, if you don't, why? Well, I don't have the time. I have so many other things to do. Oh, that's cool. Because I know the high school ministry is waiting for you. They want to do a summer together. You know, Jonah, he had every excuse. I mean, the reality was he was, he was a racist and a bigot. He didn't like the people of Nineveh. He thought they, they deserved to die because they were away from God. You know what God says? No, they deserve life because I created them, I made them. Listen, you don't deserve to be alone. You deserve to be with people. This is a summer together. Now, here's the thing uh, that I really believe. I believe with new, a new perspective, I believe that will change you, and I believe that Jesus will be the one to sustain you in that change. You know, my hope is that there's change that takes place with a lot of you, that you look at the summer differently. Man, this is going to be the summer that I get involved. This is going to be the summer I do something. This is going to be the summer I start volunteering in junior high or in children's. This is the summer that I'm going to go to Lost Canyon. I've been putting it off, but this is the summer I'm going to do it. Well, you know, I know the perspective I, I have of high school or of camp or of this and but I'm going to change my perspective. I'm going to try and look at things differently. This is what I believe about change when it happens. Jesus sustains what he changes. Jesus sustains what he changes. If you walk out with nothing but that one idea, then that's good for me. Jesus sustains what he changes. There's things in all of us that he wants to change to be more like Jesus. That's the benefit of having Jesus. He showed up and he showed us things. He showed us how, uh, who God is. He gave us a living representation of what it means to be connected to God. He wasn't sitting there with other people saying, hey, no, go look over there. He was saying, hey, come look at me. Do what I do. 
Here's what I think the problem is sometimes. We look at the people of the Old Testament who made mistakes. You know, Noah. Noah went on to save people and save animals, and, and he and his family were smiled upon, even through his mistakes. His family was smiled upon. You know, you look at Abraham. He was the father of Israel. He put those people together, and he made a nation out of it, a nation that would change the world. You know, you look at Moses. Moses isn't remembered for being a stutterer. He's remembered for freeing his people and giving them leadership in a time there was none. Yeah, he, he wasn't perfect, right? Well, what is perfect other than Jesus? And he's remembered as a great leader and a freer of his people. You know, David, he's described by Jesus as a man after God's own heart. And me, Justin, I hope to be remembered as a, as a pastor who loves his students, as a father who loves his family, as a, a leader who's not afraid to move things forward, you know, as, as a husband that loves my wife and puts her first, even in the midst of my mistakes, I'm useful. See, Jesus sustains what he changes. If he changes something in you, he will be there with you to help carry on that change. So do something new. Try something new. Look at it differently this summer. Have a summer together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, look at your students. You love them. Look at all these high school kids that it's like, oh my gosh, look at how far they've come. God, I look and say, look how much further they will go. God, look at your high school kids. They love you and they want to know more about you. Let their perspective be different. Jesus, you sustain where you change. You will not leave. Thank you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey, guys, stand on up with me. Let's uh, come to the front. Let's worship together. I think I went a little long. I'm sorry. I was so, I'm so grateful.